and welcome to the Old Man Orange Podcast. I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. And I'm Ryan Dunnigan, and today we are doing another retrospect on a movie neither of us has seen before. That is true. This is almost kind of be like, it's that going back in time and watching those movies that you always wanted to watch and you just have not got around to it yet, so podcasting with it is the perfect way to do it. But really quickly, before we even get into that movie, I want to do just a little shout out. I was on um, the Comic Central podcast just recently of Chris Hendricks, who is a totally awesome dude. We got to have him on the show. He's awesome to talk about, likes everything good comics, optimistic, fun-loving guy, loves old movies. Perfect. But um, the Comic Central podcast, which Comic Central is like that other comicsology website. I know that's probably not how they want to be referred to as, but it's like the super indie only, like no, no big companies that get in the way of indie comics. But, um, yeah, we had a great old time on there, so you can check that out on Podbean or iTunes or anywhere like that. And um, we're supposed to talk about Pizza Boys, but you know how that goes. We ended up talking about, like, other stuff for, like, an hour, and then, oh, yeah, by the way, the reason why you're on here, it felt like one of those ones where you, like, go with the Nerdist and someone's supposed to talk about a show. At the very end, they're like, fuck, we're supposed to talk about the show I was in. Oh, goddammit, let's get it across quickly. Well, I'll have to check that one out. What's it called again? That got all staticky for a second. What was that? It's called Comic Central. Hmm. All right. Awesome. And they're yeah, a pretty they- good show. Like, and you just you guys basically just bullshitted and just had a good time talking, and you covered Pizza Boys at the end of it. Yeah. Well, we talked. We talked about kind of just like creating things and animation and just video and everything around the board of what you can do creating anything. I guess slightly indie slash freelance and so on. But, um, yeah, really good podcast. There's a lot of cool stuff on there. Um, some of the other kind of indie comic guys I know have been on there, too. So all types of cool information on that one. Awesome. I'll have to check that out. But other than that, though, what we're doing on this episode here is we're going back in time to 1977 to a totally awesome hockey movie with good old Paul Newman heading the cast. And it's called Slapshot. I'm placing a personal bounty on the head of Tim McCracken. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. Go get him, killer! It's wild. It's outrageous. It's outrageously funny. Paul Newman, Coach Reggie Dunlop in this supercharged world of hockey, invites you to meet the crazies who make it that way. The Players, Murderer's Row, The Wives, The Fans, The Managers. We're losing! Teamwork, guys, more teamwork. They're burying us alive! Who are these guys? They brought their toys with them. And hustling them all, Paul Newman. Oh, you are very clever. Leave him. My wife left me. I was driving her crazy. Get out! You can't make him win. You're a losing coach. Okay, guys, show us what you got. (laughs) Behind the comedy, the sex, the wild excitement. This is the absorbing story of one man fighting to hang on in a world gone absurd. never been a film like Slapshot. There may never be another. Yeah! 
Yeah, I this is one of those movies I've heard about a lot. Like I'd always hear when people talk about one of the best hockey movies, I always hear Slapshot mentioned. And you know, sports movies, they're they're kinda hit and miss with me. I usually like hockey movies. Hockey's one of those sports I think I would have got into it if I just uh, I think is I liked playing foot hockey and like on the pavement and as a kid and all that and I was actually good at it but I just couldn't skate so that's always kind of steered me away from actually playing hockey so but I always enjoyed hockey movies so seeing this I was like all right yeah sure let's check it out I like Paul Newman and oh man I'm mad at myself I didn't see this movie sooner. Well, it's just sort of those things, like I always just say in life, it's, it's kind of like when somebody puts somebody else down for not seeing a certain movie. I always say it's like, well, we all chart a different path of so many movies, and even if, you know, especially for me and you who have watched more movies than the average person by far, it's almost that kind of thing of like, if there's movies we miss, that's kind of okay, because that means we saw this many more other movies that probably a lot of other people never saw. But still, seeing Slapshot, it was just like, oh my gosh, this is like, pure comedy gold like and it's an awesome story and what i've kind of actually realized though i'm not really into sports unless it's like wrestling or something like that when it comes to sports movies though it's always kind of a different story because it's like i always do kind of enjoy a sports movie and it's once again i think it's because you got the story and characters which is missing in regular sports but in the movies you get all that fun stuff there but slapshot is just almost like if i I had to say if there was a similar feeling kind of like movie i would almost say it's like if you liked happy gilmore and you want something actually more extreme than happy gilmore slapshot was kind of exactly like what i felt like it was well it's also one of these movies where uh i watch it and i never thought i'd hear paul newman say half the shit he says in this I've seen R-rated... I've seen movies from the 70s, Martin Scorsese movies and all that, where they swear a lot and they say fuck and shit and they even say cunt here and there. But I was... Not that this movie is like... This movie... How do I put it? It's not that this movie is like, oh my god, they said that? This movie seems like your average kind of standard for like foul language and all that for movies today. But back in 77 when it came out, this had to be groundbreaking and especially just, I was so surprised <laughs> some of the things they say in this movie, just for the time. I can see people saying that now. There's one joke, which we'll get to later, but there's one joke where I'm like, no way you can get away with that now, but fuck, I'm glad it's here, just because it's, a, it's just a time capsule. I'm guessing we probably both know a joke we're, I'm talking about. Well, that, we this is it. the part where I feel like it's the perfect, like, are you in or are you out? Like, you could just say it right at the very beginning of this show, because this is going to think it's like, if you don't, if you can't handle this joke, you can't handle this movie. And there's a part at the very end where Paul Newman, well, it's not even the very end, but towards the end where Paul Newman goes to talk to the, the lady that owns the hockey team and go like, yo, are you going to keep us around or are you going to throw it out? Because the whole point of this movie is that they got this hockey team that's kind of based on a town where they have like a steel mill or something like that and the steel mill gets shut down. So because of that, the hockey team's going to get canceled as well too. And when he goes to talk to this lady who owns the team, you know, she just kind of says, no, I'm going to fucking let it fold anyways. Yeah, I could afford to do it or I could afford to sell it, but it's not worth it for me tax-wise, so... That's what it is. And then Paul Newman just goes, look, he looks and goes, you know what? Your son there looks kind of like a fag. How about you get married soon or he's going to end up, you know, sucking on a dick or like have a cock in his mouth. You know, your son looks like a fag to me. You better get married again because he's going to wind up with somebody's cock in his mouth before he can say Jack Robinson. How dare you? How dare you? Which is one of those things I never thought I'd fucking hear him say. And I just, like, died of laughter on that. (laughs) 
Not so oh much at, like the homophobia aspect, but just at the end, like just someone having the balls to say that to this rich uppity fucking lady. <laughs> Well, that's why I just thought it's like I was laughing so I was like that was like one of the funniest jokes I think I've ever. I think also it tops it off. It's just because it's Paul Newman. Because like I guess when when I picture Paul Newman, I picture him like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and so on. And it's like in these movies, you know, he's still kind of like the hard edge guy. But this one's the one where it's just like he gets to let loose and just swear all he wants and say things and <laughs> just like that line right there. It's like your son's gonna end up with a cock in his mouth because you fucked up. <laughs> was just. It's the perfect line. See, that's that's the kind of thing. This movie has jokes in it that I feel that like people nowadays, like I bet you this movie has a hard time playing on certain channels and so on, just because the material in it is is, is like the total opposite of like the PC movement. Like it, it, it would scare you know a lot of people nowadays. A lot of weak minded people could not handle this film. That's what I like about it. Is it has like very hardcore jokes in it that shouldn't be like. In my opinion, I just go that, to me. It doesn't bother me. It's like it's a joke. It's not like somebody's being serious or anything like that and plus it's the 70s that's how people talked and everything like that that's just how it was back then and also this is the thing i found really interesting the the script is written by a woman yeah her name was like nancy dowd and that and she was the person who wrote the script and her brother was a minor league hockey player and that's where like a lot of these stories came from and slapshot like they just came from that lifestyle of you know being in this minor league when everything was super violent and so on well, it shows. It shows how accurate. I got a feeling this movie's really accurate. I mean, this is still. I was doing a little bit of research, and this is still a favorite among hockey players and on on tour buses for hockey players. They still watch this a lot, and if they have a, a story that's untrue, they often refer like a, like a news story by a sports writer that's untrue. They often refer it by that character's name who wrote the Florida story in the mm-hmm. movie. Um, already drawn a blank on the guy's name. But yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. That's that well known. Yeah, no, well, and it kind of makes sense. I mean, you think about like generally sports movies. You know, there's one for especially sports outside of like baseball and football. There's not tons. You know, I mean, even hockey movies. Like I, I can think of a, you know a handful. You know, you got Miracle, you got The Goon and Goon Two, you got um, like you know Mighty Ducks <laughs> and so on. So it's like there is a handful of hockey movies, but it's not as common you know as how many baseball movies there are how many football movies there are and probably if, if you're in the rest of the world there's probably a lot of soccer movies you just don't see that at all in america yeah yeah it's probably well, not even this... allowed to have a soccer movie appear in theaters at the moment mm. well also it's just i wonder how like controversial this movie was when it came out just for how much just for how much swearing and just the way they were talking like it didn't seem like it was really trying to be overly explicit it just seemed very real in that aspect like and just some of the small things like some of the small humor like there's the one referee that doesn't seem that likable and there's the three Hanson brothers that are always starting fights and I like how before the national anthem part of that one match they start a fight and he says hey guys knock it off we're ready for the national anthem you see the three of them all stand there looking all bloodied up the referee walks up to one of them and says like Listen, I want a clean game. I don't want you guys messing it up. And he yells out, I'm trying to listen to the fucking song! <laughs> well, it's like those those Hanson brothers, and I love when they first show up because it's like, you, you see them and they all just look like they came out of the Ramones. That's like the first thing I thought when I was like, oh my god, like just like you hired the Ramones to come, come in and fucking like skate it up. And Paul Newman, like, he goes to check on them and they're like, 
in the room and he sees like one of their bags there and he opens it up and it's just a bunch of like toy cars and everything like that. And then he goes back to the guy that is technically the manager of the team and whatnot. He goes there, he's like, What the fuck, Bob? You hired a bunch of retards! Like, what are we supposed to do with these guys? And it's just well, like, I like, at fir- I like first them. it like leads up that you don't think anything much of, of these guys. Like, oh, they're not going to be very good and anything like that. And then next thing you know, it's like, no, these guys are like the best guys for the team. And there's that part when they, when you just, when he goes to the train station to pick him up, they're just beating up on a Coke machine. Like, it stole my coin. It stole my quarter. And he's like, oh, cool. Gave it back. And they're all grabbing their shit and leaving. And then one, one of them here, I'm not sure if you picked up, one of them says like, hey, you think they play Speed Racer here? Yeah, I heard that line right there. I thought that was kind of funny. But what I like about those characters, though, is they're these guys that have, like, such, like, almost, like, anger issues and so on. But they're almost, like, the most nicest guys ever. Like, there's literally a part where somebody chucks their, like, keys into the ice rink. And it smacks one of the brothers in the face. And it knocks his glasses off and everything like that. So he decides to go jump over and into the audience and start finding the guy and who it is. And he just starts punching random people because he can't see. And his brother's like, no, 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 not that guy, not that guy. So he grabs another guy and just starts punching at him and so on and keeps going through to the point just causes this like huge riot like in the stands and everything like that and then later on the cops come to arrest him you know paul newman opens the door he's like oh man the fucking cops are here or whatnot and they're like oh the cops are here we'll bring them on in and then it's like they go to jail and everything like that and they're like so happy about it like they're in jail and whatnot and then like they finally get bailed out and they kind of go well thanks officer thanks for having us here he's like tries to shake the guy's hand and everything like it was the greatest of experiences well, there's also, like, like the whole team. The whole team stands out. Like, there's the one part where um, I think the character was, uh, wasn't Killer, but I think it was the character who was, um, what was it? Uh, drawing a blank on the guy's name here. But they, when they have to do the auction thing to help mm-hmm. sell themselves off, the one guy's like, you know what? I fucking hate this suit. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to show my dick. I'm going to wiggle my dick out, and everyone's going to run away except my wife. <laughs> and then he goes on out there and like nobody's like oh whatever bob you're not gonna do that and the next thing you know it goes off there in the distance you don't see you don't see it but you hear it you just hear all these people screaming and yelling in panic yeah yeah no this movie just has like fan- a bunch of fantastic great moments throughout it um i think the character was ned i think that's who it was uh the the play character played by uh michael uh, uh I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher this name, Antakin. Antakin. I think that's who it was. I think it was that character. Huh. Wait, no, Barden. No, Barden. No, that's my mistake. I'm confusing. Barden was the character who didn't want to get into fights. Ned Barden was the one that was against it. He was almost. It was kind of interesting that the whole dynamic between um, Reggie, the Paul Newman character, and Ned Barden. Uh huh. Because they originally they, they seem like they were kind of like you know okay he's I kind of got I don't know why I always go to this this Ocean's Eleven dynamic whenever I see like. The one guy, because, you know, Paul Newman's clearly older than him, but they seem kind of like, almost like, for first, at first glance, kind of like the same guy, just a little older, and like, just attitude and opinion-wise, like, kind of like uh, Danny Ocean and um, and uh, the Brad Pitt character from Ocean's Eleven. I kind of get that vibe when I first see him. I mm-hmm. maybe just see it, because Paul Newman just reminds me of George Clooney. Maybe that's why. But... When then all of a sudden, once he, Paul Newman's Paul Newman's pushing for more fighting, for more sensationalism, that's where that character, where he seemed like that he was like best friends with them, kind of goes to the wayside, and for a good majority of the movie, has his arms crossed, like man, this guy turned into a bitch out of nowhere. But then it kind of gets to a part near the end, you're like, oh, I kind of get where he's coming from. 
It's got that kind of thing where it's like he's the character who likes like almost like as traditional hockey as you can get. And I know it's like towards like the late sixties and into the seventies and so on. People started realizing it's like that. I think they've probably always had fights in hockey, but probably it was so rare in the beginning that like it wasn't even thought of. It was just like, oh, well, they're just getting angry at each other, just like any sport. But then after a while, it's like, no, no, let this happen. Apparently the audience likes the fighting almost just as much as the hockey. And I think it just kind of did get to a point, especially in minor leagues when people are always trying to one up to try to get into like the NHL and so on. They start going even crazier, which mostly never seems to pan out well in the long run. But it almost is that kind of thing is that that guy's character is almost like he wants the traditional, like, let's win a game. We don't have to fight each other. We don't have to, like, take out different players. We don't have to cheap shot, you know, use any tricks or anything like that. Just good old-fashioned sportsmanship, which generally to me, I'm always kind of like, yeah, yeah sportsmanship that sounds like the boring part of sports like don't get me wrong like when i like hockey i I like it because you get two sports in one you get hockey and then you also get fist fighting (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah like um let's talk about hockey because there's always something going on there's never like a dull moment in hockey so um i think i I know i never really keep up with players or the uh team so much but if a hockey game is on i usually find myself watching it so you know because it's just it's always moving it's always fast i don't maybe there is but i never noticed the commercial breaks being as long as they are like an nfl or a mlb game you know Mm -hmm. so um plus there's only three periods instead of like four innings or whatever or four um quarters which makes it kind of um that in itself makes it seem like it goes by much more fluidly Mm-hmm. And then there's the whole uh, well. Well, then you get to the part with his character uh, to uh, uh, Braden, where you find out because at first, like, what's his deal? Because he has this whole thing with his wife, and he sees his wife. He's in the car with his wife. He's like, "Oh, your most beautiful girl, most beautiful girl." He's talking to this big old Saint Bernard, and the girl's like, "He never gives me any attention." At first, you're just kind of like, "What the fuck's wrong with this guy?" You're thinking that for a while, and you're thinking, man, I I came in liking this character, but now he's just this kind of guy who just always has his arms crossed, wants to play the game. And I can understand that part, but the fact that he's just being kind of like a dick to his wife and doesn't give her any, and just ignores her. and But then it comes in at the end that you find out, and he says over the radio, you want to know why I'm doing all this? First off, hockey was my escape. Now it's just fighting all the fucking time, and fighting happens, but... Now it's just run, ran by fighting. And on top of that, you want a reason why I never give my t- wife... Maybe, maybe, maybe this isn't the right thing, but, like, you know what? I was sexually abused as a kid. So when that associates, like, oh, shit, this got... So in this movie... I mean, it's not, like, out of place for this movie. It feels like it clicks in. But it goes from being, like, a lot of these really funny, like, really uh, hard-hitting lines to being, like, really, like, oh, shit, that actually got pretty real for a minute. Yeah, that's what I kind of like about it, too, is it still has some, like, good dramatic moments, too, to kind of keep it, like, well-grounded and balanced and so on. But it also even had that thing, too. It's like, you really didn't notice his wife, too, so she got the makeover. Like, like then it's like, oh, then she's okay. Once she stops looking like a dude, it's okay. Maybe that was it. She's like, well, if she stopped dressing like my uncle, it wouldn't be so bad. Well, maybe, that, maybe that's what it is, too. Well, also, I feel like, oh, I feel like it was one of those things, like, that caught his attention. Maybe it was probably two things because she it implied that she drank a lot and she was always just kind of hanging out. So, and he would throw her a little attention, but it seemed like it was kind of like a two way street in that aspect. Um, and Paul Newman is very always very forward. Like I'm not entirely sure with his character if he is trying to fuck her at some point or is he just trying to like 
be friends with her. It's kind of hard to entirely say. I kind of get the vibe because she reaches the point where he she full on comes to his house like, no, 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 I got to play the game tonight. I can't fucking do that. If we were hanging out last night, maybe, but no, no. I tell you what, here's my ex-wife. You guys hang out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. It's just like, it's like, hey, I was asking for that the other night. Now you showed up here on my doorstep and just like, she just starts bringing in all her stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I even like... That even those even that character though I'll say the the Braden character for a minute I was like oh I went from liking this character not to not liking him but I guess you kind of need like someone from to push against on their side other than the uh, manager character but as it went on though I'm like actually no I get it I get it and that's actually kind of a good thing the the way they brought it around it made a lot of sense why the character would be that way no um, yeah and I and I like how it's like even it's like at the very end it's like when they if they're playing the game and. At first, Paul Newman's like, okay, you know what? Enough of this fighting. We're getting to the very end. We're going to play it straight. We're going to do it right. But the other team just brings in every single goon that they can find known to mankind. So it almost just doesn't work out that way. And then that Braden character kind of goes out. It's like, well, what's he going to do? He's going to join in the fights and everything like that? Everybody's just punching each other. It's like no hockey even being played. And he just goes out there and just does like this kind of like skating on ice strip tease thing. And that's the, it's almost like his way of saying, like, look, at we've we just gotten so ridiculous here we go i'm gonna do something even more ridiculous just to do it you know i mean why not and that character that uh punched out he was almost kind of the main villain of the other team um toronto mccready that character do you know what mccracken guy mccracken mccracken that's his name do you know what that guy went on to inspire well they use that mccracken guy who was paul d anantos or whatever his name was uh, he's in a handful of movies and action stuff along the way, but they use that guy as a reference for Wolverine. Yeah, and that is so fitting. After I read that, I was looking that up, I'm like, oh my god, that clicks in perfectly. It makes sense, being he's Canadian and all that too. So, yeah, well, I'm assuming I'm assuming he's Canadian. I'm just assuming because he's because he was, had a hockey stick. Yeah, <laughs> it's not the best assumption. Even though, even though this this was like more like everything was like in Philadelphia kind of area, New York section, so it's like that type of hockey. You know, not mm-hmm. like, I guess, Canadian hockey. There's a couple, like, French-Canadian guys on the team and so on. Well, even the beginning, when they have the one French-Canadian guy, and the guy with a very thick accent, and he's, like, just going to the announcer saying, yeah, that's you have the hook. You don't do this. You don't do that. And he's kind of lightly beating the guy, the announcer next to him. Mm-hmm. And then we actually go into the game. That already let, lets you know what you're in for. I uh, thought that was, gone. like, a really good intro for a movie. Because that, that right there was, like, boom. It, it just told you exactly what type of movie you were coming into. Yeah, Yvonne uh, Beretti, who plays Dennis. I thought that was just perfect for that opening. And then next thing you know, you already know what this what these guys are going to be like as soon as you get on the team. Because he has this, it's like, you don't ever do that. You don't ever do that. But sure enough, we see that like within that first game there that's happening. Yeah, exactly. And then it's like, the other thing too is this movie actually has a lot of like real hockey players in it. So I guess if you were totally into hockey in the 70s, you could like point these guys out left and right. You know, when you're kind of watching it in hindsight like 40 years later, especially when you're not really into the sports as much like you know the knowledge and the stats and the characters and so on but um it's like even like you know the Hanson brothers those guys are all real hockey players a lot of the guys around it, a lot of the backing characters are and so on so it's like that's kind of cool in itself just to have a bunch of real like athletes just kind of like in the movie mixed alongside and it works out totally fine another thing this movie does is i'm surprised how it you know despite how like macho it is it actually goes on and speaks on um you know for the time had to be pretty like uh pretty controversial aside from the language spoke on like gay relationships because there's a part where um where uh paul newman 
is sleeping with this other lady other than his wife. And yet she tells him that she had like a gay experience and this and that. And he's like, well, no, no. I mean, it's actually sounds like a pretty real conversation. He says like, well, first off, it's just, I mean, I could see how a lady could be like another lady because women have this figure. I I'm see guys in the locker room all the time and it's just not my thing. It was just this very real conversation. Mm-hmm. And um, you find out that lady that um, her husband beat her because he's like, if you're a dyke, does that make me a fag or something like that? And he uses that against them when they actually play against them like the next night. And he says like, your wife sucks, pussy. I know. And that's, they use that as their advantage to get a shot in there. And that's where he says like, wow, this sensationalism. Because first he's like, you know, fuck this guy. Because this is a really awesome lady. Who cares if she slept with another woman at some point? This woman is fucking awesome. So fuck this guy. Goes for it, makes the shot, and then it'll them. Oh wow, this works. We got to do that. And this team that's just is always kind of near the bottom. And I should also mention uh, Reggie, the Paul Newman character. He's not only is he like a player, he's also the head coach of the team. So he's like, we got to change up our style. We got to start moving in and try and try to start more shit. And that's where these Hanson brothers are like. These guys are really good at it, but like you said, they're like these guys with these clear anger issues. But like as soon as like they're done getting into a fight, they're all happy. Like as soon as like they're leaving the cop, the police station, like all right, officer, you have a good day. They're trying to shake his hand, like <laughs> don't, don't shake my hand. No, I like that too. And even going back to talking about the um, the guy on the other team with the the lesbian wife, I like when he goes like when Paul Newman goes in the locker and he's all like. He's like, yeah, you know that his wife over there is she's a dyke or whatever and stuff. And one of the guys lock is all like, does that make him a fag? <laughs> He's a god, probably. Yeah, they just like knock. And you know, it's like it was ones like those. That's like that kind of humor where somebody nowadays would be like, oh my gosh, that is so terrible. Like they're using the word fag and everything like that. But it's like one. I mean, I'll say this. If you've ever been in a sports locker in, like, the 90s or the 2000s, it was still the same thing, you know? But it's just, like, that was just kind of, like, it's it's joke talk. It's not, like, serious. You know, I mean, I don't like to use the word locker room talk because that just sounds like that's Donald Trump. But, I mean, I know exactly what he's talking about when he says that. That's what it is, just that kind of guy talk that's... It's not You're like siding with Donald Trump. You can't side anything he says. That is horrible, Spencer. Exactly. See, fuck those people. Because here's the thing, at the end of the day... That's just kind of like what it is. It's just like it's just it's just guys talking. You know what I mean? It's not you know same thing that women do too. They talk and everything like that. It doesn't mean that it's like real. You know, the problem is is when you get to the point where you have a character that's literally driving around in like a pickup truck wearing a Leatherman jacket doing a fag drag. That's when it's a, like you know an issue. And but. it's presented as a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it's presented as a good thing. But if and it's just guys making don't jokes, do that. and I think most. the thing about this movie too is like even though they joke about that kind of stuff like that, it's still those characters are still like fine with like being gay and everything like that too like it that doesn't like bother them you know what i mean it's not like these characters are homophobic or anything so i almost feel like the movie even defends itself and its own jokes if that makes sense well there's even the um their publicist who for a while it's just like what's this guy's deal and it's because he just he's like why the fuck's the old man here he's like this guy that, that just always he's always trying to put him through this stuff he's like i'm not fucking doing this i'm not fucking doing this <laughs> yeah when when Paul Newman's trying to get the thing, the team more on like a proper trail and this guy wants to make it more family friendly and oriented. He's just like, yeah, family fr- friendly. You mean after that one game where, uh, I came up to your, uh, apartment or not your apartment, but your room and you were wearing a zebra. It's kind of funny, but also kind of like 
like kind of meant to be a little dramatic at the same time. You're wearing a zebra print jock strap and nipple tassels, and you're coming on to me, and it gets very intense. Like you said, like yeah, I almost tricked myself into thinking it didn't happen. But uh, <laughs> let's remember who really runs this team. This is a light threat. Then he just walks out, and like oh. That's fucking Paul Newman. <laughs> exactly. Dude, Paul Newman just, like, kills it in this movie. Like, almost, like, more than almost any Paul Newman movie I've ever seen. Like, I really want some of these quotes that he says to be on, like, a Newman's own bottle. Like, when you buy it, be like, <laughs> oh, I'm getting some balsamic vinegar dressing, and then it just, it, like, has a quote from Slapshot on there or something. Well, I always liked him. Even, like, you know, I mean, the only Paul Newman movie I can think of, and he's not, he's not like, a for me, he's not, like, a Clint Eastwood. I can't, like, name, like... 20 Paul Newman's off top my top Paul, top Paul Newman movies off top my head like I can't a Clint Eastwood uh-huh. but every time I see Paul Newman in the movie he always crushes it I don't even I don't like the towering inferno but he's he's great in that movie so mm-hmm. that's the only one I could think of that I don't like even in Road to Perdition the part where he's beating up Daniel Craig he's just like I fucking curse the very fucking day you were born he's like beating his own son Daniel Craig before he's 007 he's like, uh-huh. I'm sorry dad he's like It'll be okay. It'll be okay. I'll protect you from Tom Hanks, which is something you never <laughs> think you hear somebody say. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's like, you know, Paul Newman has, like, big movies like, you know, The Hustler and The Sixties, and then he's got um, Cool Hand Luke, of course, The Sting, Color of Money in the 80s, you know, and so on. He's got that, like, yeah, I'll say it's like, like yeah, the list I don't know nearly as, like, hard as, like, maybe, like, Clint Eastwood or thing like that, but... He is one of those actors, though, that, like, whenever you do something he's in, though, he really does know how to, like, own a movie, like, really well. Like, almost more than you almost kind of, you almost kind of forget how well he does until you, like, kind of rewatch some of his films. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in this movie, he just crushes it, because he's, he has this, like, rough-and-tumble vibe to him, and they even make a point, like, you know, this, like, because at one point, there's the, uh, character, um, I believe it's the character, uh, killer says um that's a, actually we're not gonna lie there's that point where like all right which one because there's there's like three or four guys all with like fu man shoes and like thick mustache like wait which one was that they all stand out but it's like looking at like looking at their imd pictures like which one was that one again i'm trying to remember i think it was maybe killer or maybe the guy who played um who played uh um one shock or whatever. Well, that's why uh, that's why one of them wore a helmet because he's like literally we look too similar, so I got to put a helmet on. Which that's the other thing too. I kind of forgot. It's like oh yeah, I, I guess like even by the seventies, nobody was really wear, wearing helmets yet except for the goalie. Actually, you know what? I think it was um, I think it was Alan F. Nicola, uh, Nicholas who played Upton. I think that was the character. Um, he there's a part where he says like you know because they're all talking about the team like being traded and all that and uh-huh. we didn't mention we didn't mention a big part of it. Um, Steve. Um, um, Paul Newman makes up the story about, hey guys, we don't gotta get worried. We're gonna be he like lies to their um to this friend of ours who's a sports writer, he says like uh just tell them you got from an outside source that we're going to my we're being bought up by Florida. We're being bought up by Florida, we got a fan basis there. I'm like, oh cool, awesome, awesome. We're some nice town in Florida. Yep, some nice town in Florida. Then to find, you know, so people get their spirit back up and they're getting they're getting more into the game. Uh-huh. And then before that happens, though, the character Upton, he's just, he's kind of like, you know what, I kind of wish I got more into education. I mean, look at, uh, look at, uh, Reggie. He's one of these guys who, he just loves to fight, he loves to play hockey, but he doesn't need it. 
He's smart. He's well, you know, that's the thing I like so much about this character that Pongman plays. Because he is a real tough guy. But at the same time, he could walk into a room in a nice suit and just feel like he fits there as well. Yeah, I know. He's always got those cool, like, leather suits on. Like, those 70s ones. In this very movie. 70s. The, the suit he's wearing when he goes to the team owner. Who just, like, basically the, te- the whole thing. I like what he says. Like, all this team is this lady is a tax write-off. I know. <laughs> She's just, that's just how she looks at it. Which is kind of, like, true. I mean, like. You know, in her book, it's going to cost more money to keep something around like that than it is just to get rid of it. But it's more the thing. It's like, hey, this team is like, this is what this town kind of has. This town has nothing. You know what I mean? And even that was based off like a real thing, too, because apparently the the team, the um, God, what was it? It was the Jets, the Johns. It was like the Johnstown Jets, because I, like the movie has, you know, they're called the Chiefs, but they're almost called what are they called? They're called, I think they're called the Chiefs in this movie. No, no, they're called the Chiefs. The, but they're called, the town is called, it's not Johnstown, but it's almost like something very similar. It's like another something town like that. It's just like a spinoff of like their own name. But that team, the Jets, even kind of folded as this movie was kind of being made, which is where they got a lot of the players from. Mm, mm. Well, I could see that too, you know, because I mean, I was, as I was watching this movie, I'm like, you know, there's probably so many nods and winks to people who know their hockey, hockey history. And whenever Kevin Smith talks about making um hit somebody or hockey movies he loves he always refers to slap shot and i definitely see that and i could I, I could even see like other more pg hockey movies kind of pulling from this not just from like you know mighty ducks i saw a little bit I mean, not a whole lot of mighty ducks there's no part of like there's put no a cock in your mouth you little faggot beat me to the joke yeah there's no part where uh, where what's his name really yes the Emilio Estevez says that to the kid in the cowboy hat. Like, you know, only two things come from Texas. <laughs> Stairs and queers. <laughs> well, walks in. You, well, you know what's a movie that kind of captures the slap shot um, vibe and feel? And it's a modern one, and it's actually really good. Is uh, Did you ever see Goon? With, oh, um, I love that movie. I haven't seen the sequel, but I The sequel Goon. I thought was actually still pretty good, too. Like, maybe not nearly as classic, but, like, I still enjoyed it almost just as much. I feel like we could have done. I at one point in time, I was almost pitching we do Goon. I was like, oh, maybe another time we're doing this. Maybe we will do Goon. But I, I, I want to say on Goon because I think I was the whole time I was watching this. Like, all right, this definitely inspired Goon. Goon still has his own personality because this is almost like it's kind of like half and half on what what the Goon is on hockey. It's kind of like this movie seems kind of like it's kind of necessary, but it shouldn't overtake hockey. Where Goon is more of a romanticizing of it. Yeah, because it's almost like he's almost like a man from out, almost like out of time. Like the goons that are not nearly as popular, which is, probably is true because they probably got to. You know, you watch a hockey game nowadays and there still is fighting, but I bet you it's like they've probably still toned it down just like every other sport, you know? So mm-hmm. though it's still there, it's probably not like. I bet you it's one of those ones, if you probably would have watched hockey in the 70s, it probably would have been very common. Well, there's even that part where. Um... I'll say this on Goon. The part that just makes you love Sean William Scott's character so much, he's one of those guys. He's dumb as fuck, but he is so sincere and so honest. And there's that part where he realized that he uh, was was, in a relationship where the lady was cheating on her husband. And the guy wasn't a bad guy, and he realized that. And I can't help but almost get like sad the part when he goes to him it's like what's such a good scene he goes to the guy to say he's sorry for having his wife cheat on him 
and then uh-huh. he's just punching. He's just wailing on him, and he's just crying, saying, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry." As this guy's punching in his fucking face and does not fight back, like that movie. Like, oh, this movie. I mean, it was already good. That part just stole my heart right there. No, yeah, no, totally. I, I definitely agree there. And you know what's the other interesting thing though is also um, Slapshot has two like sequels that came out like in the 2000s. Oh boy, yeah. Which sounds like at first I'm like, oh, these are probably gonna be kind of like simple or whatnot, but they have the Hanson brothers in both of them. Now I don't know if that's just like a cameo or something like that, but that almost in itself would be worth watching just for that them alone. I saw there's one that takes that came out in 2002, and the other was like 2005 or something like that. Um, I'll say why so soon. That's my question. Maybe there was another hockey movie that came out around that time, which like we gotta remember. People gotta remember Slapshot. Maybe it was on its like anniversary or something like that. Well, um, did a miracle come out in 2000 or 2001? That's a good point. I, I mean, bet, yeah, I bet Mir- you that did it. Miracle's a good movie. I really enjoyed Miracle. I like that one too. I remember, like, For my r- friend back in the day, like, he was like, oh, that movie's terrible. It's just this movie where they're all anti-Russian and everything like that. It's like... Well, it's the Cold Okay, well, War, no, they're, so. it's like, yeah, they're because they're a team. They want to beat Russia. Yes, I do get that. But he made it out like they're fucking, like, fucking Russians are just a bunch of dirty rats. Well, it's like, we don't really have the best history with Russia, and I'm not... I mean, I'll, I'll say I, I made some pretty good friends here in the city that are Russian, so I'm not going to be like, fuck Russia! But it's one of those things, like, I get... If you need, I get if you have a movie set in the Cold War. Why? I mean, doing wrong. America's did some shady shit too. But I mean, if you have a movie set in the Cold War in the Olympics, I get why you go to Russia as your villain. Makes sense, especially since if you're going historically, Russia had a good record of winning the hockey of winning the all the hockey championships back then. Them in Canada, you know. Well, that was the whole reason of Miracle is that it's been so long since America won or somebody beat the Russians, and that's the whole mm-hmm. story of it. But like, yeah, you watch that movie, it's like, okay, the Russians are just. Russians, they're not like they're like evil. Like I don't know. Like I expected them to come across like they become like super evil. Like you know, just make them as like like almost like a stereotypical like propaganda film from like that time period. But it's like no, it's not like that really. I mean, I know it's Disney, so obviously it's going to have a little bit more like heart towards Americans. Like they you know live and breathe a little bit more realistic than we do, than you know the Russians do. But but no, that movie's really good. But that that's probably what sparked them finally to say, hey, let's do a slap shots too. Actually, Universal wanted to make a sequel, like a spin-off sequel. There was like a Hanson Brothers movie in the 70s, but they just decided to go back to hockey. Mm, mm. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Because those guys, I got a feeling they weren't even acting that much. I got a feeling that's probably how they really act. And they're just like, just that, there's that scene where just they, he says, they were like, he says, hey guys, room's in here. They're just, they're always talking amongst themselves. You can't even always pick up on everything they say. And then when he goes in and looks, he says, what the fuck? He sees they have all these slot car toys. He's like, they brought fucking toys with them. Better they play with toys than themselves. They're <laughs> yeah, a bunch of the fucking retards. Like... <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, we just don't want them jerking off. <laughs> that was another part. The part where the guy was going off on like, he says, remember that one guy? He couldn't help himself. He loved jerking off so badly that he would almost intentionally get penalties just so he can go sit in the box and whack it and make old ladies in the area leave. <laughs> like, that seems like something... That doesn't sound like something you'd hear in a movie in 77. That seems like 90s at minimum. You yeah. Know? And even my, 90s sounds like it, you, you wouldn't even see it until maybe later in the 90s. Like, cause that, that joke right there makes like ones like, and there's something about Mary, seem almost very tame. You know what I yeah. mean? Well, like, even by today's standards, this movie doesn't seem like it's 
so raw and raunchy, but at the time, though, I mean, there's a couple of jokes. It's mainly just kind of like, all right, how 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 frequently they say fag and how the part where he, I think the biggest joke is Reese is like, don't be surprised if one day that you walk in, that boy has a cock in his mouth. He's talking about like a seven year old kid. Like, <laughs> I think that is the most edgiest part of the movie. But that's not I'm not saying that is a bad thing. I mean, it's just one of those things for when this movie came out, like. God, you, I can't think because I have a lot of movies set in the seventies and back, and I or that came out in the seventies and back, and I can't think of anything that has that level of you know dialogue. Or well, it's that's the perfect example because there's always people out there that go, oh, well, you know, old comedies just aren't funny. It's like if you weren't there for them, they're just not funny. This is a perfect example of going like, no, no, watch this. If the, if you don't find this movie funny, because I don't see how there's like nothing like unrelatable in it. Like it's still, it's not like it's like. It's not like it's doing, like, jokes of, like, 1977 that you'd only get if you, like, watched the news in 1977. Like, no, this movie, like, holds up so well. Everything in it, like, works for this day and age and so on, other than the fact that you just can't handle hardcore humor. That's that's about the only thing, is this movie does have that kind of humor that soft people can't won't be able to take it. And that's where I feel like that's what makes this movie kind of edgy for nowadays, is that it has jokes in it that you, even in, like, a movie that was trying to be as raunchy as possible, probably still couldn't get away with. Yeah, well, plus this movie seems very real about it. It doesn't yeah. feel like it's trying to piss you off. I honestly feel like these are all real people that are saying this shit in the locker room. And, like, a good, a big chunk of the cast is real hockey players, so. Well, it's that, it's like, because the only thing about science, you know, modern movies nowadays almost, like, they, they, it's like, the problem I have a lot of comedies is that they try so hard. You just, they don't feel real. They have, like, lot, they just try to one-up the next guy's, like, comedy movie. And in that process, it's almost like they... They, they've, they've lost, like, what it means to be something that's, like, sustainable and, like, what you could be. Like, Slapshot, those jokes are all, like, real feeling. Like, I, I, I can understand those jokes and so on. It's not like they're just trying to do the thing where it's, like, somebody keeps throwing a joke left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, and just keeps stacking on top of each other. Code. Okay, it's so ridiculous and out there, let's just do it. You know, that's how I feel like a lot of Seth Rogen movies are. It's, like, they just try so hard to be as raunchy as possible. And almost that makes movies less funny, in my opinion. Because it's, like... Well, that doesn't feel real now. Now you've you sort of lost me because now you're you're just doing it just to be almost extreme, almost kind of like what later Family Guy episodes almost became like too, where they just tried almost too hard to try to one up, you know, the previous jokes and the previous shows and so on. Yeah, and this right here, I feel like uh, everything about it, like it's not even just like how the ling- how like how much language they have. It's also a lot of just editing jokes. And kind of like the more lingering, awkward stuff that you'd see in a lot more British comedy. Um, and I'm not, I don't know if this movie was intended, intending to have, like, you know, um, ape any British humor. But you just see a lot of that, like, more just lingering, kind of like just awkward silences. Like, there's, like, like for instance, there's a part I mentioned where the one guy's like, I just want to let you know, I got my eye on... Like, like it's a couple of things. That, that joke works on a couple levels. There's the part where the Hanson brothers get into a fight before the Pledge of Allegiance, and then suddenly we cut to the Pledge of... to the, to the uh, National Anthem, and they're all just stand there, bloody. And it's showing all three of them, bloody. And then you have this long part where the ref keeps on looking over his shoulder behind him, like, making sure they're not about to start another fight. He skates over and walks up to one of them and just says... I'm on to you guys, and you better not stop. I'm trying to listen to the fucking song! And I know that, and then he just slowly turns back around. And we just cut to the next scene. It's, it's like, there's no, like, the, like, it's like, after the punchline, it just kind of lingers. Like, it's not, I'm not, I know I already made that example earlier. Uh-huh. But I mean, that scene right there, I think, Ape has, like, an example of, like, all the humor that works. This, this lingering silence, the awkward comedy, 
and then just the abrupt like fuck shit you know that works that kind of hits you on the caveman instinct is that and then it's like also it has a lot of those like hard cut kind of style jokes where like you go from one scene to another i don't have an example like off the top of my head but you kind of remind me of like it did have like those like ones where it's like it could be one scene and then it'll like hard cut to something else and that's almost like what makes it kind of funny is what the next scene goes to and what it jumps in well the example i can think of that is they're saying you know what we're gonna play it like real hockey we're gonna do this like real hockey and that's when they're going against their rival team that has all those goons. And each one of them almost seems like, I mean... They're all like characters in themselves. I was about to say that myself. Yeah, they're all like almost like, they seem like bosses out of a video game. You have the Native <laughs> American guy who says like, can you use... He, like, you already know who all these guys are. Like, he was forbidden playing hockey in Toronto. And that's a lot for being only 21. Then another guy rolls in. Native American guy who who calls all his opponents scalps and calls his hockey stick the tomahawk. Like, <laughs> like all like this very over-the-top shit. It's like, how the fuck are we going to play against these guys? You see a couple of rounds of them just getting smacked and knocked around. And then they're like, well, we're trying to play it real. We're trying to play it real. And that's when the publicist comes in like, what the fuck are you doing? They're here to see the hardest-hitting players in the team, in the league. That not you guys. I don't know what the fuck you guys are doing. There's scouts out there. He walks out and like, they Paul Newman just stops like, scouts. Scouts. And abrupt cut of them just punching and kicking the fuck out of the other guys. <laughs> and then it goes just you know it shows uh, what's his name just sitting there arms crossed like not even playing anymore because it's like oh I thought we were playing this serious. Ned, uh, Ned uh, the the actor uh, Michael. Uh, uh, Odekin, Odekin, yeah. and then his character, uh, Barden. Brayden. Barden, there we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, just that kind of stuff, too. It's just like, scouts, we're all back to fighting again and everything like that. And I like even the ref is like, I don't even fucking know. They're all just fighting. What the fuck are we gonna do? There's just like one big fight, and then once he does his striptease, the McCracken guy's all like, this isn't hockey. That's disgusting. Fucking knock it off. This isn't hockey. Like what you guys are doing now isn't hockey. Chill the fuck out. I'm not, I'm just, and then he says, I'm not stomping it. This is more civil than what you guys are doing. And then he punches the ref. He says, all right, you guys lost. You guys lost. They're like, we won. We fucking won. Like, that's what made him win. <laughs> that's not like, it's like, it's got that kind of thing where it's like that guy gets, it's that sort of thing that like, the guy who's pun- who all he does is punch people in hockey gets offended by the guy who's now doing figure skating striptease in hockey. And I like how that to him is just like his offensive thing. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, I think it's also one of those things of like how... Because it is... I think it is definitely stating on how it's almost playing more of a sideshow than an actual game. And I liked how the movie... I think it's almost kind of more of like him finding that middle ground because that's kind of like that character kind of needed that moment because for a while it's like oh yeah this guy he's a he's like the new blood he uh, he's kind of like what's he's what paul newman used to be back in his day and then he's just like arms crossed like what the fuck and paul newman's just almost kind of following the trend like yeah the trend is what's going to get us going the trend's what's going to make us fucking last and, and it, that, like that's how, what's making him win too though mm-hmm, yeah and i like how that character has that moment at the end, and it's almost kind of like, I, I think, I mean, I'm not trying to sound all like artsy about it or anything, but I think it's also him, because they, you know, like, like I said earlier, they say that he was sexually abused, and he's kind of afraid of sex. So him coming in and doing like a strip tease, almost him kind of like not only sort of facing his fears, but kind of going the opposite direction other than fighting. So it's kind of like, not to sound all cliche, but I guess 
um, maybe kind of go, oh, you know, love over love over violence kind of thing. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I, I kind of see what that's supposed to be. I think it was just more like almost to like it's just supposed to be. I'm going to do something even more ridiculous than you guys, and watch they'll cheer for me still. And I think that's almost kind of what it was. And similar to like how ho- hockey had this issue, I know that wrestling kind of had that too. Like in the '90s, that was where like a lot of older guys almost turned away from wrestling because it went. They're like, oh, they're not really even wrestling anymore. Now they're just hitting each other over with chairs and barbed wire. And you know, when, once it got to like brutal like ECW style backyard wrestling stuff. You know, and even once that came into like WWE or WWE and WCW and so on, like that became a turnoff to a lot of the old guys that just wanted to watch straight up wrestling. You know what I mean? And I think that's probably how it was. There's probably like a certain audience that was just like, oh, they're not really even playing hockey anymore. Now it's just turning into like punch fest. Yeah, yeah. And I think with hockey, it is true. Like I think the punching and the fighting is a total must. I think if that went away in hockey, it would definitely lose a lot of my interest. But I think it's also got to be sort of reserved. It's almost like, I'll use this as an example. It's like screaming and metal music. You can't scream all the time or else it just gets old really fast. But if you savor it and you use it at certain parts, it can make a song really awesome. That's why I think a lot of screamo shit really wore itself thin, like two thousand eight and two thousand, like two thousand like six through the two thousand nine. Yeah, and I think that's almost like that's almost like perfect analogy to go along with um, Slapshot is that if you have your hockey going to the point where all it is is people throwing punches and now nobody's even really playing a game anymore, then like what is it really now? Yeah, yeah, and I think this movie, even like for a good portion of the movie, it almost seems more of like the shenanigans these guys get into and there's lightly a um there's very lightly kind of a spine keeping it in track keeping stay making it i don't mean that in a bad way but i mean that like it's more of just like a day in the life of these guys oh by the way this thing's kind of going on in the background and at the very end that is what comes into um the final act and that's their driving force once they realize oh shit we're totally gonna get sold off we're not even gonna get she's gonna just close the team she's not even gonna sell us so i think that right i think that kind of works for some of these sometimes i hear people complain about that kind of like like it's kind of like uh it's not like a rise and fall success story like wolf of wall street but i heard someone complain about wolf of wall street saying you know what there's barely um a main consistent story i mean yeah there is sort of a rise and fall thing but it's mainly just the adventures of these guys and then at the very end like oh wait all this shit happens which brought it down like oh yeah that's kind of what this movie is, but I don't think that's a problem. I kind of like that every once in a while. And I actually, I'll say this, I actually probably like that type of storytelling more than the other type, than the, you know, I guess your regular one. And this one's more, this one's more almost just like watching a team. I guess it does have a little bit of a rise, but it's almost like a team that starts off at the very beginning. It's one of the lower end teams out of all like the minor league hockey. And then, boom, this factory that's pretty much the one thing that sort of supports this team. It's pretty much what gets all the people into the stands. It's what almost even, you know, sponsors it and so on is going away. So now the team's going to go. So they got their one final season. And in this final season, they kind of find a new way to sort of, like, play this game is to, you know, start, like, messing people up. And in that process, they start to become popular again, but then realize at the end that, the team's going to go away no matter what. And they just decide in that last game, they're like, at first it's like, Hey, we'll just play it. You know, if if this is our last game and Paul Newman says, I'm going to retire at this point and so on, this is it. You know, let's just go on out. We'll say we played the game fair and square and so on until the scouts show up. And it's like scouts. (laughs) What's I also like about it? Cause I'm I'm not going to lie. When Paul Newman said that, I was almost like, well, that kind of, 
puts down everything you guys are doing throughout this whole movie. So then when they actually say, wait, there's scouts? And they start punching everybody. I'm like, okay, so the goon isn't this thing that should be shamed upon, but it, sh- it shouldn't be this thing that overtakes the game. And that's what I liked about that. It's this thing that meets in the middle ground. And when, when you actually explain it the way you did, I actually do see a little bit more of a story there. But the way it presents itself, it just seems more of kind of like situational. Like, here's what happened in this game. These guys got into a fight. It's, this part's kind of funny. And like, I like even that we got these, there's another scene where it just shows like the camaraderie of all these guys. Like, they're all in the bar. They're all just hanging out. And they're very intently watching the soap opera, and everyone's just dead silence. <laughs> yeah, there's the part where like, like she's like, "You were in the coma, so I made the decision for you." Like that right there is a cunt. Yeah, I, I love that part because that part really is like one of those ones where it's like it had nothing to do with like the movie at all, but it was like I felt like just these characters, just like how in depth they kind of got in on their kind of like off time of the game. Well, that's <laughs> also. I think those scenes that actually have no real... I mean, shortly after that, there is a part that moves the story forward because he drops some news on him that, like, the team is not getting sold off or... Or not getting sold off, but there's some, something about the team. So, something important Well, that, that comes that. on right after it, but that, that scene kind of leading up the, the soap opera part just is kind of, like, the, the beginning to it. Sometimes those scenes that have no real major, like, uh, part of the story, those sometimes let you know more about the characters or anything else. I think something like Jackie Brown has a lot of that. I think, you know, all the small little conversations they have throughout that whole movie. Just, you know, small things. Like when Lewis is all like, she's like, hey, man, go wait in the car. Here, take this. Put the beep, beep, you know, and then I'll open the car for you. Don't mess the volumes. Like, that that kind of shit. Because it says, like, oh, shit, he's he's been in jail so long. He doesn't know how this shit works. Yeah. And this no. movie has a lot of that kind of stuff in it. No, and that that is true. It's got a lot of that kind of like just like talking moments and so on. And even the other thing too, it's like I like the relationship that Paul Newman has with his wife because I just feel like yeah. I don't I don't think I've ever really seen something like exactly like that how it like is in this movie in any other kind of film or story because it's almost this thing. It's like they're still married, but they've almost been separate for so long they just didn't get around to actually getting a divorce. So it's kind of like they can casually run into each other, almost like friends, and it'll be fine. But it's almost like they're not enough to go back into the relationship. But they almost kind of both are sort of fine with it in the same time, too. You know, like Paul Newman sort of would like to get back together. But at the same time, if that doesn't work out, it's not like the worst thing. But he even keeps joking. He's like, once I make it, we get back together. Don't you worry about it. And she's kind of like, maybe. Like, she's kind of leaning kind of like... No, I don't think so. I got my own plans. I got my own things I want to do. But at that exact same time, she still kind of has... She gets some of the charm to him. She's like, I remember why I like this guy in the first place. And, I, I yeah, I really like that. Because at first, I'm like, oh, are they? is he just cheating on his wife? All right, here's a plot that's going to come in and kind of fuck him over later. And then later, he calls. Like, ah, oh, shit, someone else is there? Fuck, whatever. And then later, he sees her. They don't even bring that up. It's like they both kind of know that they're fucking other people. It's just like, yeah, we just never got around to filling out those divorce papers. Not a big deal. Yeah, well, it's like it's almost like they're not technically together. It's just they left the, the marriage part still intact. It's just like, it probably is like one of those ones where it's like, you know what? It's just easier just not to divorce. Like, whatever. You know? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we can still do our taxes this way or something like that. You know what I mean? I, I like the part when they're. The, this is also just says a lot about like those hard cut jokes. Um, those those hard like cut editing jokes. Like you see those people out there like all angry. Like we don't want this this team in our town. Fuck you, get out of here. And then as they go by, because they have such a dedicated fan basis, because since the 
uh, thing shut down, they got people literally following them wherever they go now. So it's like a school bus filled with people. And as they go by this crowd protesting with like damn near port, uh, pitchforks and torches, they all just have their asses out the window. Just utter silence takes the whole crowd and just stare. And then <laughs> cut on to the next scene. Yeah, that, that one's just great. Just like they can't even handle it. <laughs> And, like, going back to, like, Paul Newman, just, like, some of the way he handles the lines. Like, when McCracken says to him, like, you know, you put a, you put a head on, a, bo- uh, a bounty on me? Uh, yep, 100 bucks of my own money to whoever, which one of my guys gets you. He says, like, yeah, you're a real cocksucker. It's, like, as much as I can get, and just walks out. <laughs> yeah. There's, a, there's so Steve many... Mc- um, I don't know why I keep saying Steve McQueen. He just seems like... Paul Newman just seems like one of those Steve McQueen-type guys. Um, well, really, for, Paul like, Newman- at that time period, I, like... Because there's always those kind of actors that I feel that can kind of go back and forth. Like, you know, I always said Johnny Depp and Gary Oldman almost... You could pretty much reverse any other roles, and it would work. And I, I feel like mm-hmm. Steve McQueen and Paul Newman are kind of like that. Like, you could see Paul Newman in The Getaway. And yeah. you could see, you know... Steve McQueen and Butch casting the Sundance Kid. It, w- it would still make sense. I think it's going. I'm going more off the characters they play because Steve McQueen is a lot more of a solemn, more badass, and Paul Newman is a lot more of a "Hey guys, let's get a beer" kind of character and just really likable. I feel like if you had to hang out with one of them, Paul Newman would be more fun. But I get guarantee Steve McQueen would be pretty cool too. Yeah. Uh, that whole part though, regarding that uh, shit. What part was I going to say? Um the part as much as i can um shit you, what was we were talking before that there's some example i was gonna make there's something about, about it it was one of the hard cut kind of jokes but i don't remember hard cuts they put the bounty on the guy's head uh, it'll come back to me later all right did you know that did you see that charlie watts was in the movie playing oh, drums? Actually, I remember what I was gonna, actually i was gonna remember what i was gonna say this is apparently up to his death this was still one of his favorite movies he's ever filmed oh yeah no no yeah Paul Newman said he's like it was totally awesome. And he said that he never really swore a whole lot beforehand. And then after this movie, it like took him like ten years to like kind of come off of that. <laughs> I, oh god, I'm just so glad we saw this movie because you said like I got a couple movies here that I think we might want to do for the show. I'm like, oh, slap shots. I've heard of that. And it's a hockey movie. Yeah, sure. Let's check it out. Then I'm just, I'm just so glad I saw this movie. Well, I just, than never. It but. almost became it's like once once I watch it, it's like God, this is like an instant classic. I could see throwing this on like any time, and it would always be good. It's like that perfect one to just toss on. As I said, it's like, I, I would say for anybody who like, and I use Happy Gilmore because Happy Gilmore is probably like the closest thing I can think of in a modern movie that we know that most people have seen. It's like, if you really liked Happy Gilmore, I think Slapshot is the movie that's like, check that out now because almost I'll even say Happy Gilmore feels like a PG-13 version of Slapshot because it kind of goes for, you know, that kind of yelling humor, the violence. I mean, he's a hockey player, but instead he goes golfing instead, but it has almost that same feeling. Like, Almost Happy Gilmore, that character, feels like he could have been a part of the team of Slapshot. I want to say there's even, like, a review on Happy Gilmore, like, best com- best sports comedy since Slapshot, so. Yeah, exactly, so it could be like that. But did, did you hear when I said there was, uh, did you see Charlie Watts in the movie, though? Who was Charlie Watts? Who, who when was there was that playing? scene, like, when they were at, the, I guess it was, like, a hotel, maybe a hotel bar or something like that, there was, like, that band playing, he was playing drums on there. That's fitting. That's fitting. I just thought it was like like so random. I was like, wait, that looks like Charlie Watts. And then I looked it up. It's like, oh my God. I'll be honest. If if, um, Charlie Watts is not standing next to Mick, Keith, Ronnie, and Bill, and, you know, if he's not standing next to all them, then I'm kind of like, I probably wouldn't be looking for him. Not to be a dick. Not to be a dick. Well, he just has that weird looking face because he always has that mm, face. That's like the best way I can describe it because he's always, he he looks so different. Like he almost doesn't even look like he belongs in the Rolling Stones. He looks like a guy just happened to show up. 
Charlie Watts, not to bring him down, because Charlie Watts is a total fucking badass. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I mainly... My, my favorite part, member of the Rolling Stones is probably Mick Jagger, more for his writing and singing. But um, just to keep it... Um, just to clarify and make up what I said about Charlie Watts in a second ago, there's this one story... And this even seems like a scene that would be in Slap Shots, just something similar to this. One night, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards were partying really hard, and... Uh, it was like two or three in the morning and he just calls her one of the hotel rooms and says, Hey guys, we're having a we're having a band meeting right now and Charbot's like, It's three in the fucking morning. I wanna sleep. She says, No, I need to get my drummer up here. He's like, Oh, you want your drummer up here? Alright. <laughs> Throws on a suit, walks in there, socks Mick Jagger in the fucking face. He almost falls to the window, grabs him by the collar, pulls him away from the window, he says like I'm not your fucking drummer. You're my fucking singer. Plops him down, walks him out of the walks out of the room. <laughs> and after that, we always do our place. <laughs> that is a fucking hard ass right there. So don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Charlie. So I'm, that, I'm not bringing down Charlie Watts, but that right there, though. I I I gotta look for that again now. I gotta because that's. Yeah, I could totally see Char- I could totally see like Paul Newman just being friends with the Rolling Stones. Like, hey, what are you guys doing in town? Oh, we just got this show going on. Like, oh, want to be in a movie? Uh, Charlie does. Okay, <laughs> Charlie. <laughs> you guys want to be in a movie? Oh, uh, Charlie does. Like, just everybody else answers for him. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like one of those ones. Like, one of my favorite. Things, I-, I just love when bands kind of like appear in movies. Like in Dirty Harry Five. Like when Guns and Roses is in there. That just like makes my day. My favorite part too is I love how they're like they're just literally dressed like Guns and Roses. It's not like they're playing characters or anything. They like came off of like a music video and just showed up to like Dirty Harry. So it almost feels well, like, like slightly out of place, but. Well, it's not even like it's not even like they're doing anything in that scene. They're literally just standing in the background, and maybe I think it's Axel shoots a harpoon gun. Or <laughs> I something. think it's Slash is the one that shoots the harpoon gun. Or like, yeah, one of them does, and none of them even say anything. They're just kind of standing there in the background. It's not like they were small when that came out, because then after that, maybe maybe a little before, I think after that, you have that scene where Jim Carrey is lip syncing um, "Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Jungle." jungle. So. That's that's already two things. Like, want to see a movie where Jim Carrey is playing like a cokehead and he's also lip singing "Welcome to the Jungle"? What? Oh yeah, Clint Eastwood's in it too, <laughs> and Hold he's up. Dirty Harry. <laughs> and, and at some point, they're running away. They're being chased by a little electric remote control car with a bomb on it. You got to slow down. I'm trying to process all this. <laughs> There's something special about that last Dirty Harry movie. Like, <laughs> it's not it's not the best of the Dirty Harry movies, but it definitely has its it, it definitely has reasons like why it makes it awesome. Well, Liam Neeson's also, like, for a minute we think Liam Neeson's the bad guy, but then he's just this really pretentious director. Wait, Liam Neeson's in this fucking thing, too? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot going on in this film, I have to say, but... <laughs> you know, also in Slapshot, though, it does have a really good soundtrack, too, I will say. Oh, yeah, I was digging the soundtrack. Like, those, those of... movies just had, like, a lot of really good 70s tunes going along with it and so on. It just kind of like, even when they're just riding the bus and they're just, you know, like they're gambling and whatnot, just kind of really gave that vibe and feel of like, almost like, because it's like that thing you kind of think about. It's like, sometimes there's like two types of sports worlds. You think of the sports world where it's like, look at me and my million dollars, I can do whatever I want. And then there's like the guys who are like, for the love of the game, like the minor league fellas who... They really, they almost play sports like it's a blue-collar job. Like, at the end of the day, they're, they're not making really any money, but they get to play hockey. You know what I mean? Like, they probably have a tiny apartment. They got just enough to get by, but they get to play hockey. 
and that's why it's so important they get to stay on this team because the one guy was just says like, yeah, if this goes out, I guess working over at my brother-in-law's Chrysler dealership. And that's probably the tough thing is like when you're when you are like the minor league guys, the guys who are like, and that's still saying that you're really good at the sport. You just weren't able to make it into like NHL or something like that. It's kind of tough because you know, as a sport, you can only go so long. You know what I mean? Like, because even like people, it's like if somebody's in their forties, it's like, oh my god, that's like a senior citizen running around as far as sports are concerned. So mm-hmm. you kind of max out in your thirties, which really is not that much. And if you're not making any money and you can't have enough money for you know retirement and savings and so on, it's kind of like at the end of the day, it's like you could become thirty-five and just be like, oh shit, this is my only skill is like slapping a puck. Yeah, yeah, and punching so- people in the face. And they, they, they get a point across, like, maybe you can get traded, uh, uh, Paul Newman. He's like, look at me. I'm, I'm not a rookie anymore. I can't do that. So it kind of gets a point across, like, this is one of those things they love, but they, it's not a thing you can do forever. I'm not going to make it a little tragic. This thing, like, yeah, so if you don't make it big or do all, maybe get some kind of – I'm not sure if sponsorship was a big thing back then. But if you don't pull it off while you're young, it's kind of hard to have real longevity out of it the further you go. Uh-huh. And that's the thing is, like, I think that's what makes sports kind of tough because, you know, you can take something like music or art and you always hear those stories every once in a while where it's a like, guy, it's like he played music his entire life, but it wasn't until he was 70 years old that he finally got his hit song, you know, and in music, you can a lot of times kind of get away with that. I mean, obviously, you're not going to be like a fucking like teen idol at 70 years old, <laughs> like, oh, oh, Bob Williger up there, you know, that's the guy the kids want to be now, <laughs> looking like a gold painter and all, but, but well, even the Chili Peppers, even they like, I mean, they weren't like. They were still fairly young, but they they didn't get... They were like, what, they came out like 82 or 83, the same year as Motley Crue, and they didn't get yeah. big. They didn't get big until... Well, they got kind of more noticed with Mother's Milk, and they didn't get big until Blood Sugar Sex Magic, which that was like, I think, 92 or 93, right? Yeah, that was, yeah, like, yeah, 91, 92, somewhere. It's like that same year that, like, I think almost, like, all the big, like, grunge rock albums came out. But, um, I mean, like, I'll say this, like, they still were bigger than, like, what I was kind of talking about, because they still had albums, and those albums still were, like, had a label and so on. It wasn't, like, a guy just, like, I, I'm almost thinking of, like, more like those kind of bands where it's, like, they've never had, like, an actual, like, recording. Maybe if they have, it's just, mm-hmm. like, they got, like, a tape recording that they made in a guy's basement and so on, and they just tour, like, that maybe kind very- of, like... A very compressed audio file somewhere on YouTube, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But I'm, I'm more even thinking like older people. So it's like maybe they're like the kind of band that like you would show up to their concert and afterwards they'd have like recorded like tapes that you could buy. I one time opened for Journey. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. You, you too. <laughs> yeah, one of those ones. Like, oh, and Bob Dylan. Well, actually, Bob Dylan just told me to get the fuck out of here, and well, that was like opening for him. <laughs> You get the fuck out of here. And he backhanded me with his harmonica. Yeah, you fucking queer. It's like, oh, God, he called me a queer, too. I didn't think Bob Dylan had it in him, but he didn't—he really didn't want me there. Well, what'd you do to Bob Dylan? Well, I did take his microphone and stick it down my pants. I just thought maybe if I can get a little bit of his saliva on my dick, then maybe his genius would transfer to me. Like, well, why was that your first option? I don't know. There was a lot of drugs in the 70s. <laughs> you, you just did things. You just... Yeah, did things. Well, at least I made it. Age 77, hit single. Fuck you. Fuck you, Bob. <laughs> but, um, but no, Slapshot, totally awesome movie. I'm glad finally I've checked that out. And I mean, as I said, like, that's just kind of how it is. You know, you could, you, you could go for the rest of your life and still find, like, hidden gem classics throughout the years and so on that 
you know, it's almost that thing, like, if you stopped watching brand new movies from this day forward, you would never run out of movies to watch, you know? I think I just, this is one of those movies that, like, before when I was young, when we were younger, uh, I say, like, as if it was, like, back in the olden days. Back in the olden days, when we were we young lads. Well, back when we would, like, you know, when it was an arms race between us, going and buying, going to the thrifts, going to the pawn shop, and just buying, like, DVDs left and right. I think those are mostly behind me. So now it's just like, oh, I saw it on digital, or it's on Netflix. I don't feel the need to go out and own it. Every so often there is a movie I really want to support that'll do that. And uh, even though this movie would probably be easy to find... I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind adding this to my own personal collection because I enjoyed it so much. This just seems like a movie I could just listen. It's kind of like um, I don't know if I love it as much as Departed, but like say something like Departed, Clerks, Jackie Brown. Mm-hmm. Like the dialogue in those movies are so good. I feel like I can just put it on in the background and work on something and listen to it while I work on whatever. Um, this movie is definitely like that. I think the acting, the dialogue, the humor, just the and plus the rock cut editing i think that that, like this is just everything i kind of like in a comedy exactly and you know this is one of those movies it's like i would not mind having it like on a special edition blu-ray or something cool like that because it is one of those films where it's like you would definitely be watching again and again and that's almost how i am nowadays too it's like i don't buy nearly as many dvds as i once did but it's like there's certain movies like if if it's a special edition and it's blu-ray yeah, I'll go for that if it's something I really like. Because that's the, that's the one thing you seem you can't get on digital. It's like on Netflix. Like I'm always kind of surprised. There's Maybe there is a company out there that's doing it. Probably some real minor one. But like where you could actually have the special features and all the bonus stuff. you know? Because I feel like that's almost the thing that's missing from the streaming services. Is you don't get any of that. And even, I mean, I know iTunes has some special features with certain movies. But I think for the most part, it's still not a common practice. This movie's regarded so well. I wouldn't surprise you the least bit if they have some special two, three disc edition of it. Yeah, no, I, I, I think there is. I think there is a special edition, like twenty fifth anniversary or something. I read that and somewhere pra- along the way. And the praise this movie gets, it's it's all deserving. So yeah, even though nowadays they always say like, well, Kevin Smith always says like, oh, I can't even get a hockey movie made. But then he says that, and then I go, well, Goon Two just came out. So um, what do you mean you can't get a hockey movie made? Obviously, Sean William Scott did. You had him in one of your movies. Why don't you talk to him? Clearly, he well, knows how it works. <laughs> well, did you hear, uh, not to make it all about this, he actually, Sean William Scott was originally going to be in, um, be the main character in, uh, in Hit Somebody. But then it was taking too long to get Hit Somebody made. Plus, Kevin Smith, he was, Goon was a shorter movie. Hit Somebody was originally going to be like this three-hour epic. Mm-hmm. And then it was going to be t- like a two-part movie. And now it's kind of still up in the air, and now it might be a comic or something. So, and it was taking too long. Says, "Well, I can't have Sean William Scott being goon and this." So, yeah. Well, that makes sense, but you know what I mean. The whole point is just like it's kind of like whenever I hear that, where it says like, "Oh, I can't get it made for some reason." It's like, well, somebody's still making a hockey movie. I know the goon doesn't go to theaters or anything like that, but I don't even know where goon really. It just shows up at a store. That's all I know. It went to it, like it went to like a. It went to like um, a film, uh, like a, a, a film festival circuit. Then it wound up on de- download, and then the limited limited cinemas, and then Netflix. And yeah, well, I yeah, I mean, it I, was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I, I know. I know that's kind of like how it went. Obviously, that, but you know, what I mean, it, when I say doesn't go to cinemas, I mean that doesn't go like nationwide. Like, mm-hmm. if you, I always say, if you show up in only like a couple cinemas or even a film fest, that's not really going to cinemas. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, no. It is kind of like the limited run thing. It's not like the big. I think Kevin Smith wanted the big, sexy for it. For how expensive the movie probably would have been if he's doing this big epic that goes over the course of like, um, I think twenty or thirty years. Then he 
then it's probably going to be a little bit more of an expensive movie, especially when it's a period piece. So yeah. I think that's one reason why it was probably so expensive to make. But now he might be making a comic out of it, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, so that'd be kind of cool because you, yeah, hockey is that sport that just never gets enough recognition as you'd wish it did. For me, for mm-hmm. for I always just look at it for it being like a much more like something going on sport than you know, especially football and baseball and of course soccer. So soccer's like just the shitty version of like hockey, but they don't even they don't get to hit each other in soccer. It's like soccer's that sport that's so boring you can play it in a video game that it's that boring. You're like God, you get halfway through the game, you're like, you know what? Let's play something else. You want to play NBA Jam? Yeah, let's play NBA Jam. <laughs> Well, I know there was one time we were still you like you you came across like there's like a Mega Man soccer game like this might do it you're like nope still nope even Mega Man soccer's boring it's like God I don't know what it is just soccer is just fucking boring I mean I'll say this if you're out there kicking the ball with friends I can see where it's kind of fun but I don't know kinda. what it is it's just like it's it's just like I mean I get it like why it's a popular sport because all you need is a fucking ball and like somewhere to play it. So, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. You don't, you know, every other sport you need fucking, like, you know, hockey, you need skates, and you need ice, and you need, or at least rollerblades, and you need pads, and so on, and sticks, and pucks, and goals, you know, football, you need all the, the accessories there, too. But um, even baseball, you need a little bit more stuff. I mean, I guess you can still get by with just a ball and a bat, but for the most part, you still need a little bit more gear, where soccer, you need absolutely nothing, just about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think it's one of those, well, you just probably sound so American to any overseas listeners. Like, like I don't see why the rest of the world <laughs> likes this fucking thing where you just kick a ball at each other's balls back and forth. Well, I, I think it is. It's just, like, being an American, it's hard to like soccer. I'm sorry. It's just, I think it's because, like, no matter who you are, like, your entire life, one, you just have everybody be like, oh, you don't fucking play soccer. That's, I mean, if you're five years old, whatever, and you're kicking the ball around, or ten years old, whatever, like, that's one thing. But you man up and you go to a real sport, or you just don't play sports at all. That's just what happens. The decision that's made at, like, age 12, it's a very serious one. And only in America do you make this decision, because clearly nobody else in the world can understand. You get that right, don't you, boy? <laughs> well, I can think it's so weird, though, because I played soccer as a kid. Nearly everybody... Yeah, everybody plays soccer every... as a kid. Every guy friend I have played soccer at some point when they were a kid, yet it's this thing that we're our generation, we're just like, I don't give a fuck. And then, like, once the Americans make it to, like, the finals, like, come on, USA, USA! Oh, they, they, they lost, but I don't care, I don't care. Well, and those are just those kind of there's, there's those kind of sports fans. I feel that they just follow just the winning team. They could care less if you don't win. They don't care about you. But if it's winning and it's like whatever they think, they're after it. But but yeah, soccer's just one of those ones. Like I I, I just think that myself, I will never get it. I mean, like obviously, I'm not saying like like you can't like soccer. It's stupid. I'm like no, no. I, I, if if you like it, like I get that. Like you like it. But to me, it's just like, I look at go. Like, God, is that just like the most? Or I don't know. I guess. Because I just look at it like this, like, well, why don't you play hockey? That's a real sport, and it's got punching in it. Well, that's whenever I like whenever I go to a Sharks game, whenever I watch hockey, it's just really fun. Mm-hmm. I'm never bored. Something's always happening, whether they're moving quick. And I think I, we said this before. I think it's a combination of just big, angry, hulking, like brutes. Like if I what comes to mind almost, and this is gonna almost be like a more of a nerd comparison, I guess, or a comic book comparison, would be, like, almost going to imagine, like, like, if I was to draw, like, a, a hockey player, I'd almost probably draw him the way Frank Miller draws Batman, or mm-hmm. draws someone from Sin City. Just this big, hulking fucking brute with a stick. But the thing is, the combination of that and doing this thing, like, being so graceful 
on the ice, like skating backwards, like it's no big deal, and like because I can't fucking do that. That's the thing. Maybe well, I, it's just because really, you never you never put the time into it. Don't, I, I, I never did. Yeah, I never. I say did, don't say but, you can't do it because you could. It's just you would take I was time lazy. and effort. Yeah. <laughs> well, also it's just one of those things. You know, I just I never really. I never really put a whole lot of effort into learning how to like ice skate or rollerblade, so that was always my uh, thing that kind of kept me from playing. But whenever we played like in like the street as kids, like on foot, it was just like, one of the funnest things to me. So whenever I watch the sport itself and just see these guys like just fucking just dashing like crazy and being able to do all these crazy maneuvers, and then at the same time just being just like fuck you, fuck you, just like all this angry testosterone, just be like. Man, I can't help but just fucking admi- the, the the weird contrast of that, you know? Yeah, it's just one of those ones I, I look at it as far as just like straight up sports. Like it just doesn't get any better than hockey does, you know? There's just that's what it's all about, you know? To me, mm-hmm. as far as the sport, I think it's like I just look. It's like it's so awesome. Like I, I don't know. I'm not one of those people. Like I don't have that kind of free time to watch it on TV. But it is one of those ones. Like I do like going to a game live. That is really fun. It is, it is, yeah. So it's one of those things I kind of wish I got into. I really mm-hmm. wish I got into it. So, but yeah, at least I have slap shots, though. Yeah, see, slap shot. Now that, there's a perfect way to get your hockey experience, and you know, it comes in a nice story-driven two-hour ride, and it's perfect. But um, yeah, it's a movie. If you haven't seen this yet, or you need to just watch it again, it's been that long. This is that movie. It's like, God, it's just such a classic. Like, I, I'd almost say it's like, I've only seen this movie once right now. I would say it's like in probably like top five best like sports movies I've ever seen. Definitely. It's definitely up there for me. Somewhere you know, within my, it's definitely within my top It's like five, there with top like three. Rocky Not, Four and like Happy Gilmore and. Well, you got to limit it to like one Rocky movie because there's like seven. So yeah. I, I'll, I'll you, take my Rocky Four. That, that's, that's my favorite. Yeah, because Rocky, Rocky would at least ta- at least take two of the top five <laughs> Easily. best sports movies. It, barely, it just it just I mean not barely. I mean just at minimum two. Yeah, I, I would say really if somebody said like what's your top five favorite sports movies and they just named off five Rockies, I'd be like yeah that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I, I I totally get that. Like that's definitely I'll say that they're definitely above everything else. But but yeah, good times to be had. So check out Slapshot. If you haven't seen it again, we'll put a little link in the description there how you can help support the podcast too even. And until then, check out oldmanorange.com for more comics, podcasts, videos, animations, and more. I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. And I'm Ryan Dunnigan. We'll see you some other time. Later, folks. Thanks again for listening to the Old Man Orange Podcast. Be sure to check out oldmanorange.com for more podcasts, comics, animations, videos, and a whole lot more. You can easily support the show by buying something from one of our Amazon links on the website or in the show's description itself. doesn't cost you a penny, but every single thing you buy from there just by using that link to take you to Amazon helps us out a bit. You can also really help the show out, though, by spreading the word the good old-fashioned way and rate and review us on all the sites that you find this podcast, anything from iTunes the Podbean, the Newgrounds, YouTube, you name it, any little bit helps. Give a sub and share it to your friends, family, any jamoke you see out on the street, you let them know about Old Man Orange Podcast. And be sure to check out the Old Man Orange comic book, Pizza Boys, on both Amazon and Comixology. Till then, we'll see you some other time.